Welcome back to Fork You. I'm your host, Adriel Joy. I've been gone for a little while. There's a lot of life things happening. My brother had a baby. I produced a huge event. I had my high school reunion. I had a birthday. And then lastly, I was all set to record last week while I was in Detroit, but I got a new laptop and one piece of equipment that I needed in order to actually get the recording done, I left back home in Texas and was unable to get it. So I apologize. Thank you for your patience. And now let's dig into this week's forensic foodology episode. In honor of my 20-year high school reunion, I wanted to do a murder and a food that was localized to the area I grew up. I was born in, well, I was born in Denver, Colorado, but I was raised in Austin, Texas. So let's kick it back a couple decades. It was January of 1991, and the move from Colorado to Texas had been dramatic. I mean, I was nine, everything was dramatic. Instead of finishing up the school year with our friends, my brother and I were packed up and whisked away to a city with no seasons, no professional sports teams, funny accents, and no snow. I didn't even have time to find my lost new kids on the block shirt before we vacated our family home in Cherry Creek and drove the 15 hours to our new home. Now, Austin, Texas was not the happening, trendy, happy, crazy packed city that it is today. It was still a mecca for all things music, especially if it was live. It was slower paced back then, more hippie than hipster, while remaining very liberal for such a conservative state. Even then, it was a college town. With over a dozen different universities, it's no surprise that this town has grown into what it is now. On our first day into town, we sat at a Denny's table next to the La Quinta we stayed at the night before, and I proceeded to watch a horrible, death-involved accident from the window in front of me. After hours of speaking to the police, they released us to drive the remaining 15 and a half miles to the home we would grow up in on the south end of Austin. That Denny's was only four miles, a 13 minute drive, and an hour walk away from where Amy Ayers, Eliza Thomas, and Jennifer and Sarah Harbison would be carnally murdered 11 months later in a grotesque crime that shook the entire town, and still does. As it is now referred to, the yogurt shop murders took place on December 6, 1991 at an I can't believe it's yogurt shop in the village shopping center off Anderson Lane. Although the shop was lit on fire and burnt away, there is now a classy nail salon where these murders happen. I would not go in there if you paid me, no matter the state of my nails. Considering what occurred there, I'm surprised the business risked opening. Before fully launching into this horrible story, I feel it's important to understand what was going on at that time. Froyo, or Frogurt, as it was originally called in New England when introduced in the 1970s, became a huge big deal by the mid-1980s. Over 100 TCBY stores opened the year I was born, 1981. By 1986, sales of this yummy, healthier ice cream substitute was already at $25 million. That would be over $55 million in 2019. And by the 1990s, frozen yogurt accounted for 10% of the entire frozen dessert market. That includes pie, y'all. So why this sudden surge in frozen yogurt? Because of health reasons, of course. Yogurt is full of probiotics, which are the friendly bacteria that exist in your digestive system already. These probiotics are said to help boost your immune system and keep your digestive tract functioning properly. But most importantly, the fat content in ice cream is far higher than in frozen yogurt. 
For example, an average one cup scoop of plain vanilla ice cream contains 275 calories, 15 grams of fat, and nine grams of saturated fat. In one cup frozen yogurt, the calories drop to 221 with only six grams of fat and four grams saturated fat. So why the difference? Ice cream, by law, must have 10% milk fat, and cream is normally added in to meet this requirement. Cream tastes very good, but fat and calories come along with those please taste buds. Frozen yogurt is made from cultured milk and has no fat milk requirement to it. The cream adds in more fat and flavor, so there does tend to be more sugar in frozen yogurt than an ice cream, which that actually surprised me but it truly does make sense. Ironically, these probiotics that are making doctors urge you to eat more yogurt don't actually survive the freezing process when they become froyo, so you are not getting the probiotics that you think you are. Well, more accurately, the milk cultures that the probiotics live in don't survive, thus killing off the good bacteria you would be getting by eating it the regular way. If you eat frozen yogurt the way many people do, there are so many added on fun stuff like sprinkles or gummy bears, hot fudge, and all the fat content grows to match ice cream anyway with all of that in there. But regardless of what you prefer to eat, here are some fun facts about this fun treat we call froyo. Cow milk is not the only milk used to make frozen yogurt. Sheep, goats, and even water buffalo milk is used here in the United States. In the Middle East and Western China, you may even consume a camel or yak milk version of Frogurt. TCBY is the main reason we now have soft serve frozen yogurt after changing the game in 1981. Hmm, a lot of good things happened in 1981. When TCBY first started out, the acronym stood for this can't be yogurt, but they were quickly sued by I can't believe it's yogurt in 1984 for copyright infringement. Now, TCBY claims it stands for the country's best yogurt. That was a pretty good recovery by TCBY, honestly. Now, did you know that you can make yogurt at home? That's right. Grab your Instant Pot and follow this super simple recipe from the Pressure Luck Cooking Show on YouTube. If you have not checked out Jeffrey's show on YouTube, it's called Pressure Luck, like it's a pressure cooker. You have pressure luck. It's so funny. Anyways, you simply must follow him. He's funny, creative, and has super easy to follow recipes. Okay, Instant Pot, check. One and a half liter, or 52 ounces, of ultra pasteurized milk, 2% Fairfield is recommended by him, as well as by me, because it's delicious. Check two tablespoons of any plain yogurt. Plain is key here, folks. Check. One 14 ounce can of sweetened condensed milk for sweetening if you would like, you don't have to, but I do, so check. Seriously, that's all guys, just those four things. Milk, a bit of yogurt, condensed milk, boom. Put all the Fairfield ultra pasteurized milk into your Instant Pot. Toss in the two tablespoons of yogurt with live active cultures. Make sure you read the labels before you buy it. Toss that in after the milk. The cultures that are inside the yogurt are what make the milk turn into yogurt. So this is like the most important part of this simple recipe in order for it to be a success. Finally, 
Top it all off with the condensed milk and whisk it all together. Secure your lid. Choose the yogurt button. Make sure it's set to normal or medium for eight to 10 hours. Now I choose 10 hours so that the extra tang is in there. The shorter time you choose, the less the tang in the yogurt. I'm more of a like soury, salty person, so I like it on that side so it's not as sweet. And I do it overnight so that it's ready for breakfast when I wake up. Also, then it just does it while you sleep. You don't have to worry about it being on while you're out or anything like that. And when it's done, the screen will say, <laughs> I'm gonna spell it out for you. It's a capital Y, lowercase o, a nine and a T, which I'm pretty sure is robot for yogurt. And then you can eat away. I've even taken some of this yogurt I've made and blended up fruits and vanilla into it and tossed it in the freezer to make my own frozen yogurt without a ton of added sugar and crap on the back end, which we don't ever see when you don't make things by yourself. Now, back to Austin, Texas. It's 3 a.m. on December 7th, 1991, and Barbara Ayers Wilson is shocked by the knock at her door. Someone was there telling her that there had been a fire and that both her daughters, Jennifer and Sarah Harbison, were dead. She had no idea how much worse the statement would become as the facts became more known. Jennifer Harbison and Eliza Thomas were working their closing shift at the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt shop. Their friend Amy Ayers and Jennifer's sister Sarah were all there waiting for them to get off so they could ride home with Jennifer for a sleepover they had planned after the shop closed. A couple was finishing up their dessert when two young men entered the shop, shortly before closing. As the couple left, one of the men was at the cash register and the other was sitting in a booth, head down, facing the front of the store. Eliza was at the cash register when she said goodnight to the couple. It was the last time she was seen alive outside those walls. Just before midnight on December 6, 1991, a fire coming from the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt shop was seen by patrolling Austin police officer Troy Gay via the smoke rising above the strip center the yogurt store was in. He called the fire department as he arrived. He called the fire department as he arrived on the scene and radioed for backup. The scene was gruesome. The city was simply not ready for what was about to be revealed. Fireman David DeVoe and APD Lieutenant Renee Hector Garza entered the charred store, crawling through with flashlights to try and figure out what happened. Soon, they noticed a foot, then an arm, Finally, a body. And then, the entire horror scene. Four bodies, all burned, all naked, all bound with their own clothing, legs spread apart, and all shot in the head. Four young girls, aged 13 to 17, never to see their potential due to a brutal, hate-filled crime, which is probably money-motivated. Money? robbed these women of their future. The root of all evil indeed. When Detective Sergeant John Jones arrived, his immediate reaction was, oh shit. The water from the sprinklers had drowned the store trying to squash the fire. It took almost all the evidence along with it. Now, you have to remember, this was 1991. So the modern technologies that we have here in 2019 were not an option back then. Water ruins investigations. It still does more times than not. 
all four girls were stacked up on top of each other in the back storeroom of the shop. Only one body was not burned beyond recognition. It was the youngest, Amy Ayers. They were burned so badly, you could not even tell their race upon viewing them initially. Because Amy was not completely burned, they were able to find proof and DNA evidence that she had been sexually assaulted. We can only assume that they would not leave the other three girls out and that they all were sexually assaulted as well. But we will never know due to the fire. Even before they got this evidence from Amy's body, the detectives were assuming that they were sexually assaulted because they found an ice cream scoop crammed in between one of the girl's legs. About a week after the murders, the police brought in their first suspect, 16-year-old Maurice Pierce. Pierce had been caught that day, a Friday, at the mall, the same mall Amy and Sarah had been in on the day that they were murdered, and he was caught carrying a 22 on him, the same caliber gun that all four girls had been shot with. It seemed promising, like the police were getting justice for these girls, as Pierce confessed to the killings and that his 15-year-old friend, Forrest Wellborn, had been the killer, borrowing Pierce's gun to do it. Wellborn denied it and stated that he and Pierce had actually stolen a car with friends Michael Scott and Robert Springsteen, both 17, and had driven it to San Antonio that night of the murders, which was an hour and a half away. The boys were released on lack of evidence. It would be eight more years before an arrest would be made in this case. At the start of 1992, a large billboard with Jennifer, Eliza, Amy, and Sarah's pictures went up on the side of IH 35 in downtown Austin. It had the heading, Who Killed These Girls? along with a reward offer of $25,000. Eventually, that reward would grow to $125,000. I remember this billboard. It was so hard to drive past. We just wanted answers. On October 6th, 1999, a few months after I graduated high school, the same age then as two of the victims had been, four men were finally arrested for these horrible murders. So who was arrested, you may be asking? Well, it was the same four guys that were previously brought in for questioning the week after the murders, eight years before. Pierce, Wellborn, Scott, and Springsteen were not just arrested for the murders, they were also charged for them as well. This time, Scott and Springsteen confessed to the murders during the interrogation. Don't forget, eight years earlier, Pierce had also admitted to doing the murder as well. Eight months later, in June of 2000, Wellborn had the charges against him drop when two different grand juries refused to indict him. A year later, Springsteen, who had confessed to raping Amy as well as the murders, was sentenced to death for capital murder. A tad over a year after Springsteen was sentenced in September 2002, Scott was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to life in prison. Pierce, the originally arrested suspect, would not go to trial until January 2003, when the charges were then dropped. 
A few years later, in 2006, Springsteen's conviction was overturned on violation of his Sixth Amendment rights. Due to appeals on this, he stayed in jail. In February 2007, the U.S. Supreme Court refused to reinstate Springsteen's conviction. And the following year, Scott's conviction was overturned for the exact same reason. By 2009, all four men were once again out on the streets. Justice had not been dealt for these young women after all. Now, after listening to many tapes of the confessions, it is hard to really say what the truth is. The officers involved were released from duty for coercing the confessions. It's been a huge back and forth battle as to whether this was done or not. Prolonged interrogations are dangerous and lead to things like this. Protocols are used to help prevent things like this from happening. The Austin Police Department no longer lists the yogurt shop murders as a cold case. But nobody has been convicted. No justice has been found. So why isn't this case still active? These girls, these girls' families deserve to see their murderers behind bars. They were forced into a storage room, made to strip off their clothes. They were bound by their own clothes and watched each other get sexually assaulted and one by one get murdered. They were shot in the back of the head by cowards afraid to look at their victims in the eye. The attackers gathered all the paper items from all around the store, covered them in lighter fluid, and set Jennifer, Eliza, Amy, and Sarah on fire, burning the shop in the process. The fire was so hot, it melted the rungs of an aluminum ladder in the back of the stores by where the girls were. Do they not deserve justice for this? Do the killers not deserve to be held responsible? It has been stated many times, and I do agree, that Austin lost its innocence that December day in 1991. I am not sure if it can ever heal until the killers are brought to justice and Jennifer, Eliza, Amy, and Sarah can rest in peace. If you are in the area and stop by the Classy Nails Salon, you can pay homage to a bronze you can pay homage at a bronze plaque that has been posted outside the salon where the yogurt store once was, where the young girls took their last breaths. Before midnight each night, the owners of Classy Nails places coins at the plaque in respect and remembrance of them for when they died. The police may have forgotten them, but we never will. Help us get justice and write into the Austin Police Department asking for this case to be reopened. If it were your sister, your daughter, your friend, would you not stop until justice was found? We should not either. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Fork You is written and produced by me. If you want to show me some love, look on down there and give me a little five-star action. You can also head over to my Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can become a donator. Want to stay up to date with me? Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Fork You the Pod. Stay fabulous. Go out this weekend and get forked up. (laughs)